Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. It's been another action-packed week across the three divisions. We're going to look at the North and South later on. But now to look at the National League, we have got Rob Worrell as always. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. And we've got a very special guest with us. It is the National League's BT Sport pundit, Adam Virgo. Hello, Adam. Morning, how are we? Very, very well, thanks. Uh, we'll get straight into it. And it was probably the uh, the pick of the uh, three o'clock kickoff, certainly. Grinsby against Chesterfield. And they left it late. Chesterfield, I think six minutes from time, was when Kabongo Shimanga spun on the ball and fired it into the net. And, and Chesterfield keep on going at the top, although it is really tight at the top. We'll get your thoughts on that later on, Adam. But they're flying at the minute. Only one defeat for them, and it was that man again, wasn't it? Exactly. And and for me, he's even before he kicked the ball, I knew he was going to be the signing of the summer. I knew that he could be the difference of whether Chesterfield will be playing for playoffs or going for the league title. Um, it was one of the most exciting signings that I, I had to come across. And it was one of those that you kind of, you see it crop up on your phone. You just kind of, it's like a ouch moment. You think this could get interesting now. And I think when I look at Wrexham, when we've seen them, how they didn't go for him, it, it was, it, he's a football league player in the making anyway, even before he moved to Chesterfield. But at this level, if you can find a genuine goal scorer like you can do in Kabongo Shimanga, and it's the way that he plays. He's not a target player. He's a player that plays on the shoulder. He's a player that picks up positions in the 18-yard box. He's a clever centre-forward. Probably the closest I've seen to Andre Gray in regards to goal-scoring movement and the importance to what he means to a side. Um, and yet again, that that's where league titles are won, when you're hanging in there away from home and then you find a way of winning with a clean sheet. Um, James has done a big job. He's done a great job since he's gone in, even from last season. Um, I tipped them at the start, and I have no doubt at all that they will continue this form and um, and still, for me, go up as champions. Adam, if um, Chesterfield's continued form is remarkable, particularly given the sheer number of injuries they've got, they've had 12, 13, 14 players out the last few weeks. We had James Rowe on the pod uh, just last week as well, talking uh, about lots of things and, and making very little reference to those injuries. How staggering is it that Boreham Wood, having had the best striker in the National League stolen away from them uh, just before the season kickoff, have not shown any hangover for him? And full credit, I think, to Luke Garrard. They won 2-0 away again yesterday at Woking. Um, they kept so many clean sheets, I can't even count them. Um, and that, that that really is a feather in the cap, isn't it, for Luke Garrard to have uh, made it look almost seamless, the fact that Shimanga's gone? Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely remarkable um, what, what Luke has done. Um, they remind me a little bit of Tim Flowers' Solihull Moors, that he's just gone for that experience in the right areas. They're a little bit more direct from probably what I've seen of them over the last few seasons. Um you know, Marsh up front with Bowdoin, but they they just work their socks off. Um, and with the three five two formation, you've arguably probably got the best combination of Mendy and Kane Smith on both flanks that provide so much width and so much quality. Um, Kane's goal against, I think it was Wildstone, I think it was, was, you know, it was a peach. And again, he's another one that I've been barking about 
going on to play for the Football League. I think he would have been a Football League player by now if it wasn't for that injury against Fylde in the in the playoff game. Um, but they're effective in what they do and they're a hard side to play against. And I think if you try and play like that with younger players, I don't think you get the same results. I think when you've got experienced heads in those teams, the way that he plays, and he, you know, he's, he's openly admitted it himself, but he's gone a lot more direct rather than playing through midfield. And you've got to play to your strengths and the strength is out wide. You've got Bowden, who I think divides opinion anyway from National League connoisseurs, if I could say that people think he's effective and some people think he's not effective. Um, but they've got a pattern of play. Listen, if they get one or two injuries, of course, then he's going to be certainly looking over his shoulder. But we saw with, with Aldershot a few years ago with Gary Woodock's side, didn't we? Like a smaller squad can certainly work if you keep everybody fit and, you know, suspension free. So it, the plaudits go to James, plaudits go to Pete Wilde. But I, I think Luke has, has done a, a remarkable job because he's never had the biggest of squads. And they've lost Sorba Thomas in the past, they've lost Andrade in the past, they've lost Shamanga in the past. Um, but with the other two that I mentioned, I think Shamanga was a bigger blow more than anything, because if he was in that team now, then I think things would be a lot different. But the fact is that he he's lost him and it doesn't seem to be any excuse with it. And I think that's what I like with Luke. He's, okay, he's gone. That's the way that football works sometimes. And they, they're effective in what they do. And they're going to be a very, very dangerous side to go up against. Do you think they've used yeah, think... it as motivation as well, Adam? The fact that it has gone and everyone's out, oh, it's going to weaken Boreham Wood and they've gone, well, hold on, we'll, we'll do it a different way. You know, we've maybe not got an out-and-out striker, so we'll build from the back and do it that way. Yeah, and I, th- I think there's sometimes, and you've got to give credit to the way, Luke, that the way that when I've always watched Boreham Wood, they've been a, a, a side on the front foot with, with a genuine goal scorer in there. So, but when you lose that player and you can't go out there and replace him, what do you have to do next? We have to be solid at the back. And, you know, they've lost Nathan Ashmore, which was a big loss for them. Um, but, you know, the back three is probably 100 years between them in terms of age and probably 500 games that, that they have. Um, and, you know, the two in midfield are just solid in what they do, Mafuta and Ricketts. It's just, it's just a, the spine of the squad is just as solid as you get. And as I said, they remind me of that Tim Flowers, Solly Hole side, effective in areas, hard to play against. Um, and Luke's done the right thing. Go back to basics. We'll go a little bit more direct, play more in the final third on second balls, use our wing backs to good effect. Um, and listen, they'll push Chesterfield. They certainly will do, but I just don't think they'll, I think Chesterfield will just have too much for them. Rob, I know I you love, a, sorry, Rob, I was going to say, I know you love a footnote. That was the fastest National League goal of the season from Kane Smith as well on Saturday, 21 seconds. Yeah, there was 21 seconds, not to go, but gone. <laughs> Um, yeah, and and just one 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 final note there as well. I, I think you touched on it there, Adam. Boreham would need to stay clear of injury and suspension. If they do, there's no reason why they won't sustain it. But it's a big ask at this level. The games come thick and fast, um, and and you know the injuries can come pinging along as they have done for Chesterfield and one or two other sides as well. Um, and 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 just the other one in that attack, you've got Smith on the right, Mendy on the left. And not a bad uh, signing, is it? Having Josh Reese <laughs> nipping up from uh, from midfield, to, he'll weigh in with ten goals this season as well. So they found a way to replace the goals of Shimanga, um, a side who look to uh, who very often win by the odd goal in three or the odd goal in five. Got uh, got it done with a clean sheet yesterday. They up at Alty, didn't they, Luke? Uh, Altrincham nil, Bromley one, and uh, no comeback for the two comeback sides. No comeback for uh, Altingham yesterday. 
Yeah, Omar Shawumni with the winner there. And and Bromley are my tips, Adam. I just thought, because everybody looking over the shoulder at Stockport and Wrexham, obviously that's before Chesterfield brought in Shamanga. But Bromley have kind of, even though they lost Neil Smith last year, they've just kind of continued on, haven't they? Seamlessly, they were a bit unlucky against Hartlepool. They had that bad first half in the playoffs, didn't they? Um, but Andy Woodman's coming in. He's just kept the ship steady, the ship steady, and they're still um, they're still just going along calmly, aren't they? And they are a threat. I, I don't think people should write them off, should they? No, um, I've, I've been thoroughly impressed with the job that Andy's done. It, it's never easy taking over a manager that you know has seen to be successful in Neil Smith, and it, it kind of felt like Neil's club, and it kind of felt that he was building everything up from the youth system through to the first team, the way that the stadium was being built, the way that the club was being set up everything was being done by Neil 24-7. So for, for Andy to come into that surroundings, and I always remember, I think we did the first game away at Stockport, and I remember watching his interviews. And it, I think the thing with Neil was, for me, I just felt he was too loyal to certain players that I think sometimes where, you know, your Raymonds and, and players like that, they've done a, a great servant for the club. I just felt Neil was too loyal to them to, to keep with those types of players. And I, when I remember seeing Andy come in, it was almost like, it's my way now. And if you don't want to be part of it, then you're not going to be part of it. And the work rate now that they show without the ball is, is, is the biggest difference that I've seen. You mentioned that 45 minutes against Hartlepool. I mean, for me, as we've said before, that was probably the best 45 minutes of football I've seen in the National League from Hartlepool. Um, but they're effective again. They're very much like a boring woods. You know, show me a, a decent player from there. You've got Trotter in, as well. Uh, Webster, um, you know, cousins in goal. You listen, and and when you've got a goal scorer in cheek, he's you know I know Wiley's been injured, but he's managed to finally get the best out of Corey Wiley, which for so many seasons we've said that's potentially a good player there, but he's managed to do that, um, and and they're effective in what they do, um, and they're they're going to be another one that you, I I can't see them winning the league, but listen, they can certainly push for top two or three, and if you get those teams, if you get that team in the playoff, I think they would have learned a lot from last season of the way that they probably handled that first half. Um, and, and they're going to be a, a difficult team to play against. In fourth position are Wrexham. You saw them on Saturday in the live game against Weymouth. Now, they are only three points off top, but they have played a game or two more than the teams above them. It was it was another solid 1-0 win for them, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, Weymouth were, were really, really poor in that game. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sort of highlight this as, uh, as what it is. Um, the, the the one thing I'd, I'd slightly concerned about Wrexham was I I'd said right at the start of that game is that that this game's going to be as easy easy for them or as hard as they're going to make it, um, and when when I look at the performance and I look at the one against Dover as well the home game against Wildstone they drew they struggle against sides that drop deep against them and they find it hard to break things down um, and when I look at that performance yesterday. And I look at the amount of money that is spent and the amount of chances they had to create something in that final third. I know they sit pretty in the league and probably people think I'm getting moody because Christmas is coming up and it's going to cost me a lot of money because we've got kids and, you know, things like that. But <laughs> it's just, it, I, I didn't look at them yesterday and think that that team's going to win. That, that was the type of game you go into and you think, Do you know what, we're going, to show the, we're going to show the league what we're all about and we're going to dominate this game, which they did. But I, I just feel they're too reliant on Mullin. Um, Defensively, they seem pretty solid. I don't, I don't think there's a there's an issue with that. I still think they need a creative midfielder a little bit more, maybe more of a defensive midfielder uh, to get on the ball a little bit more. But when I look at their performances, especially that one yesterday, and the money that they have spent to perform like that, 
I think for me would be slightly concerning. But listen, they did the job. It's two clean sheets in two against Dover and and Weymouth. Um, and I'm a million percent sure come January, he, he will get a decent checkbook to go and sign some more players because that squad yeah. of players for me will not win that league. But they won't win it, period. Yeah, creativity, I think, is is the issue, particularly when, as you say, sides are difficult to break down. Staggering fact, Wrexham, only Kings Lynn and Dover, right down the bottom of the league, have scored less goals at home this season. Uh, yeah, nine games at home, just eight goals. And when you consider this 7,500 yesterday, eight, 9,000 fans coming through the door, yes, there's a buzz. Yes, the whole Hollywood owner thing. But you want to be entertained. And and I'm not saying that Wrexham should do it every week, but they're just not putting teams away at home. And, and do you remember Wrexham, even with less investment and less quality in their team, had this exact problem two, three, four years ago. The same thing. They, they just not putting teams away. But I don't take away and I don't underestimate that they got the three points yesterday because there was a shout for a penalty. There was a late mm. chance for Weymouth who didn't particularly turn up but almost nicked themselves a point. Straight to DVD, Rob, is what you're trying to say, isn't it, at the minute, the performances? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... I mean, listen, it's a bit of an odd one for me because I witnessed probably two of Wrexham's best performances of the season, an hour against Aldershot when they ran riot and the game was called off with a waterlogged pitch and then they came back and finished the job scoring four or five, you know, a few weeks later. And I think perhaps that that Aldershot was a bit naive in trying to take on Wrexham and and and, and then they had an absolute field day. Uh, might be a diff- different Aldershot that they face later in the season, but we'll we'll come on to that in due course. It's, yeah, it's interesting what you say as well, uh, Adam and Rob, about strengthening in Jan. I know reading on the forums that they, they desperately say they need a couple of midfielders. I know they're already actively looking. They'll be busy in January. That, could, that really could give them the final push, couldn't it, if they do get it right in the transfer market in Jan? Yeah, I think I think for me, when I've seen them away from home, as Rob says, that the style of play, I think, helps what they do. And I think teams away from home can get away with it a little bit more. But when you get 8,500 a week playing at home, um, the, the style that probably suits away, that probably take less away fans, um, I think that certainly plays on their mind. And um, But yeah, I mean, as I just said, the squad is okay, but it, they, he will definitely be able to strengthen in January. There's no doubt about it for me that they, they will go out there, you know, and, and what they've done, they've not mucked around with looking at National League North and South players, see what they can find there. Maybe someone in, you know, they go League One, League Two, you know. So they're, they're not they're not going to muck around, and you know, they may even go into the Championship and bring someone down. No, these owners are not here to build a project in the National League over the next three, four years. They want to build the projects in League Two and League One, like Salford did, and they 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 could be one of the biggest spenders we've seen in January since well, God knows how long in the National League because they mm. they have got the finance and, and what they have done, they've backed Phil. You know, there's. No, I know they're very much involved in who's coming in, maybe not know too much about the players, but I think they're pretty understanding of what they're spending and who's coming in, how can they help the team. Um, so I, I, even though it seems like they're from afar, being in America, and now the, the whole shebang of them coming in and doing that kind of five-day tour, which is I think has been a big weight off the club's shoulders as well for that to be finally done and dusted. Um, I do know from hearing from people within the club, they are very much involved with everything that goes on um, so don't think they're just there, just sitting back in California, just watching from a distance. They're very much involved. And I know come January, um, 
it's going to be very, very interesting who they bring in. And I, I generally do think that, that they're not going to muck around and, you know, they might, they may have to upset one or two players that have played the majority of the season. Um, but, you know, Davidson midfield's a, a good player. You know, Young's a good player as well, but I just think they just need a little bit more. I think with Young, I think he misses Harris next to him. I think that little bit of experience that they've had um, over the last couple of years. So um, I'm, I'm excited actually to see who, who they can bring in. And they've given themselves a platform, haven't they? 36 exactly. points from 20 games. And we're possibly being a little bit overcritical because that is a platform to go and invest further and, and perhaps take it on and really challenge um, the likes of the three teams above them in the latter part of the season. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that, Rob, because obviously you look at like what Stockport have done to some of these teams and he scored three or four goals. I think I think that's a big thing when, when they're at home. I think we're expecting to go and beat Weymouth four or five now, especially with the likes of Paul Mullen up front. But... At the end of the day, Phil Parkinson will argue and say, well, we're getting the three points. Like you say, fourth position with the chance to strengthen. There'll be a massive threat, certainly to Chesterfield, won't they? Level on points yeah. with him in fifth place is Halifax, Adam. And again, we can't give enough plaudits to, to Pete Wilde. Um, he's doing a fantastic job there, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's he's been one of those ones for, well, since he's come in from what we saw under, under Jay Fullerton to what we see now. Um, another one that we talk about, a bit like Boreham Wood, when you, you go and lose your your best players in the summer, you know, the likes of King and players like that, is they're, they're hard to replace. But what he does do, he goes out and the recruitment at Halifax has been excellent. And that, and that that is absolutely vital. That I've never, it's never more prevalent in a league for me about recruitment. You know, the, the Premier League, Championship, League One and League Two, to a certain extent, maybe League Two. But for me, the National League, the recruitment, is 90% for me is why you, you can have a manager put in place, but if the, the, the recruitment's wrong, then it can go horribly wrong because they can't go out and sign more players and think, right, well, we'll bring someone else in. It, it can't work like that at, um, at Halifax. And, you know, you sign players like Waters that for me is just a, a good National League player. Um, and they're, they're, listen, they've had little blips along the way, but they've showed great character. I think the Notts County game I can think about. Um, I thought they were unlucky against Wrexham when they lost that game. Um, but Pete, I think the biggest fear for me for Halifax is losing Pete Wilde because you can't you can't keep having the success that you're doing and not be having teams in Football League look at you um, or teams in the National League maybe that have a bigger budget and a bigger you know expectation to go up to, to go and look at him. But you know, 10 out of 10 for them this season. I think playoffs would have been a stretch at the start. Um, but the continuity within that team is is vitally important. And um, it just shows what a good manager he is with, with the job that he's done. Yeah, just behind them in sixth and seventh. There's actually only four points between Chesterfield and first in Solihull in the last playoff spot. But Notts County and Solihull both with good emphatic wins on Saturday as well. Yeah, Notts County had to do it the hard way, didn't they? Um, Southend... Just can't quite get it going. They threatened an upset yesterday, scoring in the 10th in minute from Sam Dolby, but uh, uh, Notts County did get level through Cal Roberts uh, before half-time, and they went through the gears in the second half. Uh, and Kyle Wooten looks to be right back to his best now. Um, he's always scored goals, to be fair. He did have a long barren spell, didn't he, last season at one point, but uh, two goals and an assist for Wooten yesterday is a real focal point for them, but Good goals, good movement of the ball at pace, good tempo, and he's there to finish him off, Adam. And uh, Notts County, you'd have to say, four points off the top of the table, genuine title contenders. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I echo everything that you've said. There. I think Ian's, I think, learned a lot about the league because I think he came in as a a modern manager that wants to play through the thirds and kind of, I felt towards the, the, the beginning of his reign, um, he didn't, I, for me, didn't quite understand the National League to a certain extent that you need A and you need a plan B. And I felt that now what he's done, he's found a position for Rodriguez with playing him and Roberts in the same team, which is you know, two creative players. You, sometimes not easy to find that balance between those two in particular, considering the way that they both play. Um, and Carl Wooden for me is, you know, the interest from Football League is not surprising. Um, I think they will lose him on a free in the summer, which will be disappointing for the National League. But um, it, it shows the importance of those three in particular. Um, but like any side in the National League, if you lose key players, then it's going to be difficult for them. But the way that they are going at the moment, um, I, I can't argue with Rob to say that you know, they are genuine title contenders because, again, not necessarily the biggest of squads, Um I think Palmer's come in and, and made a huge difference from what Doyle offered them last season. I think Cameron's come in and made a huge difference as well. He's, you know, he's persisted with Brindley in the back three, naturally a right back, but playing him right of a three. So they kind of, the centre-halves bring the ball forward a little bit more, um, play some really, really good football at times. And um, it's a tough one to call this year. And you throw them into the equation with the quality that they've got, the experiences that they probably learned from last season as well. Um they're going to be a strong, strong outfit, um, providing, as we've said time again, that they can keep their key players fit. Yeah, we'll get your thoughts on Southend very shortly. We're going to look just underneath them in 8th, ninth, 10th and 11th. You've got Grinsby, Yeovil, Stockport and Dagenham. And Grinsby, they're out of those four teams. They're the one who are on a bit of a slide. Dagenham got a vital win after three defeats in a row. Stockport, a rare slip-up for them in the league under Dave Challoner. They lost 2-1 at Torquay. And Yeovil got a 1-0 win over Barnet. And Yeovil, probably out of those four teams, had them in a farm team at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, re- re- remarkable turnaround from what we saw of them at the start of the season. Um, I think it's just... You, you, you look at individuals in that team and you think, right, if we can get fine tunes out of them, especially in the tacking third, then you feel that you've got chances and too many times when you when you look at those teams kind of mid-table and you look at your four or five key players if they're not performing then the team struggle and I know it sounds pretty obvious but it you you know if Yusuf we know at this level can do a job you know he's fine fine um Charlie Wakefield's another one we know at this level consistency has been an issue but when he's consistent he's a very very good player you know Staunton Staunton in midfield you know Smith in goals a solid goalkeeper at this do you kind of look at those individuals and think, right, if we can get tunes out of them, you're going to win games of football. And I think Daryl's finally, Darryl, sorry, sorry, Daryl's just finally done that in terms of, of where they are. And I'm, I'm really pleased with them. I know people say, you know, my ex-club and whatever, but, you know, they, you know, when you spend time down there at clubs, you do get a little bit affiliated with them. And Terry Skiverton was my manager. So you, you do want the best for them because the fans are going through a bit of an up and down period with, ownership and mm. etc. Third round of the FA Cup, which is a, a great achievement for them. Um, so I, I'm pleased that things have turned around because the club's been through a difficult period, as we all know, but it's really, really pleasing now that people look at the results now and the performances, which are the most important things. Yeah, it's been a funny week, hasn't it? There's been sort of talk about the ownership. Uh, Scott Prisnell said he's not going to put any more money into the club, but then equally they've got through to the third round. They've got home tie against Bournemouth. So on the field, there's competition for places there, but off the field, there's uncertainty, isn't there? Yeah, um, it, it's been highlighted before. Um, 
you know, the fans are, are very passionate down there. That you know, they they love their football club, and I think that all they want is the is the best for things. And I think sometimes when you go in with an expectation of what you're told and actually how it's ended up, I think fans, you know, they're they're, they're loyal people, football fans. To you know, thick and thin, they 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 will go through everything for you, but. Um, I think there's probably a small element of frustration down there now. And I think it gets even more frustrating when the team starts winning and the team's doing well and things off the field are not progressing as much as they, they would have expected. Going to move and look down at the bottom of the table then. Um, before we get on to South End, we always talk in this pod about should we worry about Maidenhead and we're always made to look fools. But Adam, I'm going to ask you, should we worry about Maidenhead this year? Um. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there with um, with, with Maidenhead. I remember a few years ago, and, and Alan Devitt, he reminds me every... And he's, he's held this grudge against me, I think, for about four years now, that I tipped them to go down. I think they'd won two games in the first half of the season. And they, they were... I think they lost heavy against Fylde, I remember. And they were conceding such poor goals. And then the second half of the season, they were, like, in the top four in terms of results and points, it was just like the turnaround. And I remember doing the game against Salford and uh, I think they drew that game or they, they, they stayed up that day, which was a remarkable achievement. And um, Alan's never let me forget that. Um, but it, he always finds a way, doesn't he though, Adam? Every that, that's year. The issue. And I think, is, that, that, I think that's where you've always, you know, for me, it, it's, You've got to be careful, but on on the on the flip side of the coin, you've got to look at the results, and you you can't take what's happened in the past sometimes and just assume that they're going to get away with it. You know, defeat against Barnet, I think, was by three goals. I think four against Woods, um, four against Dagenham, um, four against um, four Sol- against Solihull on Saturday. Yeah, yeah Solihull. Yeah, so it's it, they're they're worrying results. And I think, listen, you've seen Rob's, Rob's crew there. They, they've picked up some really important wins. You've seen Barnet pull away now. under the, So that it can very, very quickly change against you. And it takes a brave person to maybe go in a different direction. You know, Kings Lynn have done it. Mm. It takes a, in that level, you think, is, is this the right man? To, who else can come in to get the tune out of these, the, these players? So look, Alan's always found a way of, Mm. Um, finding things I think the the fortunate thing for him is that I, I can't see Weymouth improving Southend haven't had a new manager kick as we've seen in the past with new managers that have come in so I think the teams in and around them are keeping them within touching distance but it, it, it is worrying you can't you can't sit there and go no we'll be fine because we've got Alan Devonshire there's no guarantee Noticeably, they were without Sam Barrett yesterday. And I'm, I'm sorry, Maidenhead fans, I'm not across that. I don't know if he's injured at the moment, but uh, they've too often relied on him. They're just such a streaky side, Maidenhead. Just when you write them off, they'll go and win three games on the bounce, two of them against playoff chasing sides. And he always finds a way. And I think he will again. I think Adam's right. I think there's probably two or three other sides that, uh, that are more in danger of slipping down there. But let's give maximum credit to Kings Lynn. Mm. They had that game that uh, everybody thinks is an easy three points. It never is. Dover, who who are not really recovering from their minus points, uh, you know, deduction, but they are in almost every game competitive at least for an hour or so. But I want to highlight somebody. The player of the week uh, is Josh Barrett, and I just looked up his his record. Two fantastic goals to beat Dover. 
yesterday. That's what it took, two really, really good goals. And, you know, when he came on as a sub against Aldershot the other week, somebody made the comment, oh, he used to play with Aldershot. And I thought, well, I don't remember him. He did. He played five games on loan from Reading. He also had six on loan from Coventry. Then he went to Bristol Rovers, played 16 games there, and he never scored a goal. And then he scored two absolute pearlers yesterday. I don't know if you boys have seen them. One was a deft lob and the other one was a cheeky, I'm going to have a go here from 30 yards, top bins. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it, sorry, it was a hu- sorry, sorry, Luke. It was, it was a huge game for them because um, I've, I've spoken to someone I know that was that was speaking about the job. They didn't take it in the end. And you, you kind of look at that result and you think that, that that's a must win for them. If, they, if they're going to have any chance of getting themselves out and, the, the Dover games for me are the, are, the, are the anyone who plays Dover this season will be worrying massively because it's an expected win against a side as you've mentioned there Rob quite rightly as, you know under, are, are being still competitive even though they're kind of fighting a losing cause now um, but it, it was a huge win for them and you know, Josh, Josh is still at an age where things can turn around for him you know things can still, still go right you look at his um, CV of playing in youth football for Republic of Ireland. You know, he's had tasters at Reading. He's had little tasters here and there. And just sometimes you may need to come two steps back to go three steps forward. And I think there's a player there. I, I genuinely believe there's still a player there. And we've seen what's happened with Sonny Carey and players like that that go to Kings Lynn, get an opportunity, get a run of games um, to, to go again. I think he's only 22, 23. So 23. the goals that we saw yesterday, to me, there's a player there. You don't score those kind of goals and, there's not a player there. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes in in life we don't know if off the field things and things like that go against you, injuries. That um, you know, hopefully that, that 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 they can change things around with Tommy coming in, the experience that he's possessed um, throughout his managerial career. You know, this this challenge to him won't you know won't throw him up any surprises. Um, I think it's a good appointment. I think it's a solid appointment, um, and. They've, they've always done the right things. They continue playing last season when they could have easily stopped Kings Lynn. Um, but listen, it's going to be tough for them. Let's make no bones about it. They've, they've struggled massively this season. Um, so, But that win yesterday could be absolutely vital for them to give them any chance. So we're going to have a look at the National League North now. And as always, we have got Dickie Wharton here. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. Good to see you. It's uh, good to see you as well. And I think there's only one place to start, and that is up at Spennymore. They depart company with Tommy Miller during the week and Jason Ainsley, who's gone into a director of football role, took, took charge for the game against Chester. And uh, he said he doesn't want the job. It was interesting to hear his quote after he said, uh, he said, no, I know why I don't do it. He said, I've aged 25 years. I've lost my voice and my shoes are all muddy. But they got the job done and they got a vital win against Chester in the end. Yeah, they did. I mean, it's that that spending more are hugely fortunate in that you know they've had to make this change. I don't think it's been an easy change for them to make um, in, in moving Tommy Miller aside. But you know, the, the man who's helped build that club up, Jason Ainsley, still there as a director of football. Who better, really, just to take the reins, even if it is only on a temporary basis? And and, and let's be clear, he, he, he is he, he is clear that it is temporary that he isn't taking back the job full time. Um, and much needed win for them yesterday. I mean, it's it, it's come late on. It, it was uh, it was two two going into the final stages, and I think Chester felt that that perhaps they were going to hang on for a point, which they need as well. You know, let, mm. let's let's face it, they're not they're not um, pulling up any trees in this division at the moment. But yeah, Glenn Taylor two headers 
late on in the game, take the points away from them. And yes, Bennymore come away with all three. Yeah, surprising result as well of the days. Probably filed. They lost 1-0 up at Darlington. A much-needed win for, for Darlington. Luke Sharman with the only goal there. And, and, and following the game on Twitter, it looked like filed were banging on the door, but just couldn't bring it off its hinges in the end. That's how it looked, certainly. That's certainly how it read to me. And I, um, I, I noticed, uh, you know, looking at the, the non-league uh, National League North team of the day in the non-league paper today that Darlington goalkeeper Tommy Taylor uh, has earned his selection there. You know, you get a clean sheet, you've got to think you'd be in the running for it. I think he's pulled off an absolute first-class save in the last few minutes or so uh, from reading through the Twitter uh, to um, yeah, hold on to uh, all three points there for Darlington. And that is a tremendous result for them. You know, they're, they're in mid-table, um, they, they, they went away and won at Brackley, although Brackley had a man sent off that night. So they've shown that they're capable, but they're not consistent either. You know, it's been up and down and they've had the, the, the disruption with Alan Armstrong and, and, and his medical emergency a couple of months ago. Um, but yeah, a, a, a terrific win for them. Charman, I would think, you know, the goals he's scoring has got to be putting him on the radar of other clubs, although Darlington fans won't thank me for saying that. You know, goal scorers are in demand and, and Charman's got quite a few for them this season. They'll be saying Oiled. charming, charming to you, Dicky, rather than charming. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, I shouldn't think he puts the, the toilet roll thing into my head, and I shouldn't think about that with a footballer, should I? But um, no, I mean, if for foiled, yeah, it's a blip. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's an unexpected result, certainly, and it and it's had the the, the consequence of handing the, the the lead over to Brackley Town, of course. Yeah, a, a one 0 win for Brackley. Can we do we come to expect anything else, Dicky? Um, we don't tend to, no. I mean, Brackley are, are, you know, you look at their stats for this season. I'm not going to bang on and on about it, but, you know, they're the masters of the clean sheet. And, you know, Danny Lewis, it seems like some games he can, must come off the field and his gloves have barely got dirty, to be perfectly honest. It sounded like it was quite hard fought yesterday. Obviously, Geisley are, are in need of the points and, and, and a 1-0 win, uh, courtesy of a goal from Matt Lowe, was all it took. But, you know, it, at the end of the season, if Brackley win the title, you know, nobody's going to be comparing notes and going, oh, yeah, but, you know, you only won games 1-0. One 1-0's nil. One good enough and, and it's, you know, it's certainly proving good enough for Brackley at the moment. I think game of the day was up at Farsley, wasn't it? They were 3-1 up with an hour gone and then it was a roaring comeback from mm. Gateshead. And Sedwin Scott scored two late goals, including in the first minute of stoppage time to bring back an amazing comeback for Gateshead. They won 4-3 in the end. I know they were helped by the sending off of Jimmy Spencer when the score was 3-2, but still, what a comeback for Mike Williamson's side. Yes, it is. You know, they, they, uh, Mike Williamson's team, they had a, a really good victory in midweek. They, you know, they, they went out of the FA Cup last, week, last weekend, but acquitted themselves well. That would have been a disappointment. They had a 2-0 a, a win over York City in midweek, which, which got them back on, on the horse as regards their league form, and they followed it up again. Um, Gateshead have got a lot of attacking um, ability, and I'm not surprised that actually playing against 10 men that Gateshead would manage a result like that because they use the ball very, very well. Um, you know, they're, they're excellent in possession and they would make use of the spaces that were left behind. Um, but, you know, Farsley, you've got to feel for them. Three went up against anybody and, and you would hope that, you know, you're going to hang on to get um, all three points. And I don't think they've achieved too many wins this season. I think that I'm not sure whether they've actually won yet under manager Neil Ross. I think it might just be one win. So, you know, that's a much needed um, 
three points. I won't say given away, but you know there'll be huge disappointment that they've not hung on to to get even just at least a point out of that one. There was a playoff arm wrestle at uh, Boston's brand new stadium, the Jateman State. Is it the Jateman Stadium? Still, it is indeed it the is, Jateman's yeah, okay. Community Stadium, yes. Yeah. It was a playoff arm wrestle at the Jateman's Community Stadium where Kidding is to continue their amazing form. They won 2-1 away at Boston. And it was that man, Ashley Hemmings again, who's uh, in fine form at the minute. Absolutely unstoppable at the moment, Ashley Hemmings. He seems to be scoring virtually every week. And Kidderminster's other scorer, I think, Alex Penny at fullback, he's added a few of late, which I think that just goes to show you that, that Kidderminster's strength is, is that you can't just shut down one person and expect that you'll have shut down Kidderminster Harriers by doing that. You know, I think if you pay too much attention to Hemmings, you've got Amari Sterling on the other flank. Um, you know, they are getting goals from other places on the field. The defenders are chipping in the goals. Sam Austin is scoring goals. You know, Kidderminster absolutely firing on all cylinders at the moment. Um, of course, they've had the the, the, the bonus of um, their FA Cup run and a, and a, a really attractive looking tie against Reading as well, which I think we might touch on after we've spoken about the North. Um, a big disappointment for Boston yesterday, of course. They've they've been in good form recently. They got themselves up into the playoff places and they stay in the playoff places. Um, a goal from one of the rights yesterday. Um, I don't know if it was Jake Junior or Jake was, Senior. I think it was that's, Junior, yeah. I think it was Junior, yeah. That's not specified in, in the non-league paper there that I'm looking at. But... Um, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a disappointment for them after a really good win away at Kettering last week. But yeah, I think Kidderminster's unbeaten in in something like ten or eleven games now and going tremendously well. Yeah, and that's a big thing as well. They, they'll have money to spend from this FA Cup run, so it'll be interesting to see how they take on the rest of the season. Uh, there was an interesting, it was an interesting day, wasn't it, at the LNER Stadium, York against Charlie. Uh, York went ahead just after. There'd been a fan protest. Tennis balls were, were thrown on the pitch in protest at the ownership. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it, uh, we've seen protests of this sort um, happen elsewhere. I don't think I've, I'm thinking, I can think of any that have taken place in the National League North. But yeah, in the 10th minute of the game, they, they, uh, York fans or a section of the York fans threw tennis balls onto the pitch. Um, seen um, some footage of Matu in the, uh, the Chorley goalkeeper uh, testing out his... Uh, fast bowling technique with one of the balls that have been thrown onto the field, which was uh, quite fun to see. Um, you can understand the disquiet at York City. I saw them last week away at Geisley and, and you know, n- neither, they, neither they nor Geisley looked particularly great and, and, and given the expectations and the new stadium, etc. Um, and I don't think it's a case of the penny dropping with the York fans. I don't think they've been blaming managers. I think they know that ultimately it's decisions that have been made at boardroom level that, that are the reason or, or, or the bigger contributor to, to York City being where they are rather than it being the managers. Obviously, John Askey is in there at the moment. He's trying to um, keep them um, in touch with the playoff picture. Only a point yesterday that won't have helped them tremendously. I mean, Akil Wright put them ahead, but Harry Cardwell equalised before halftime for Chorley. Chorley stay in the playoff positions where York would expect to be and... Um, yeah, it's not going to be. It's a, a winter of discontent at York, I think. Yeah, do you think the uh, do you think the expectations from the fans are quite high though, which puts the pressure on because they seem to do pick up the results more away from home than they do at home. Quite possibly, yes. I mean, I think they are and they aren't. I, mean, I was reading some comments from from York fans on Twitter this morning who said, "I actually realised 
after the game last night that I didn't really care that much. And I think that's, you know, clearly you've got some fans there who do care a great deal because of the protest. But I think the dangerous thing for York there is that they're in danger of a big section of their fans sort of just being resigned to being in National League North and being resigned to being run the way that they run and, and not having higher expectations now. So it's it's a very... Um, when I say the fan base are divided, I don't mean that they are sort of like at one another's throats over this, but I, but it but it's a very there's some very strange dynamics at, at York at the moment, and it, and it's hard to see how they're they're, they're going to get everybody pulling in the same direction. Dicky Paul Carden's first league game in charge of Telford against Kettering, and they had to come from behind, didn't they? They did indeed. Yes, he took charge with Carl Baker the first time uh, in the league yesterday. Um, he wasn't too thrilled with what he saw in the first half because Kettering Town, um, managed by Paul Cox, of course, who, who was Telford's initial choice for the managerial role, um, who then changed his mind and stayed at Kettering. Um, they went into a 2 0 lead with um, goals from Jordan Crawford and Alex Brown, although I think I got Brown down for both goals, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, it, they were 2 0 up at half time and, and not exactly cruising, but looking well in control of things. But in the second half, Telford did manage to turn it around. Theo Street got them on the board after 62 minutes. Um, and then I think they just threw every, as much as they could at it, to be perfectly honest, and got an equaliser through Kai Williams in the 87th minute. Um, Paul Carden, realistic enough to know that there's, there's lots of work to do with the team at Telford at the moment. You know, he, he saw. He was pleased with the spirit that they showed to come from 2-0 down, but obviously said that, you know, the mistakes and the hesitancy and stuff that he saw in the first half, you know, that you, against better teams than Kettering Town, his contention was against better teams than Kettering Town, Telford wouldn't have been able to come back from a 2-0 deficit. And that's his concern really is, you know, you, you can't go 2-0 down in the first place. You, you've got to stay in games for a lot longer. And we'll just round up the other results. Alverton and Gloucester drew 1-1. Blythe, they did take the lead against Southport, but ultimately lost by two goals to one. Hereford and Curzon Ashton drew 2-2. And Leamington and Bradford drew one apiece. Now, I know you briefly touched on it earlier. Dickie Kidderminster there in the third round of the FA Cup. And they take on Reading. And I know you... um, you've put a poll out on our Twitter page, which is NL at NL full time, uh, because basically there's a lot of contention around, isn't there? No, none of the national league teams who've made the third round are a television pick at all. A lot of it, I think is down to popularity ratings, isn't it? Rather than, is there going to be an upset there? And I know you put a poll out saying if one of the four out of Chesterfield, Yeovil, Bournemouth and Kidderminster had to be picked. Who would be the best choice for tele- television? And Kidderminster Harriers, they got the bulk of the vote, 49%. But he's uh, quite surprised that Yeovil against Bournemouth isn't a TV pick as well. I mean, it's staggering, isn't it, that at least one of them hasn't been picked? I think you could make a claim, a, a really good claim for two of the matches um, and, and and not a bad claim at all for, the, for a third one. I mean, Chesterfield drawn away at Chelsea is a fantastic occasion for Chesterfield. I mean, realistically, are Chesterfield going to go to Chelsea and get anything? You would look and say, perhaps not, but that might be a reason for that game not being on television, plus the fact that they were on TV in the last round of their victory against Salford City. But, you know, Kidderminster at home to Reading, who aren't pulling up any trees in the Championship. Um, Bournemouth, who 
are going better in the championship, but you know, away to Yeovil, who've got a an excellent cup tradition going back God knows over how many years, you know, we've enabled the broadcaster to dust off all that black and white footage from the 1940s and 1950s of the pitch with the big old slope on it. Um, you get I the feeling that I, the TV I, companies like ITV just don't understand that at all, do you? I think BT kind of got that, didn't they? For all the criticism, I think BT would have would have understood that. Um you would hope so, yeah. And they certainly seem to, I think, in the way that they covered that. You know, I mean, this is ITV's first season on the FA Cup with the coverage having switched to just, you know, terrestrial channels, which I have to say, I was about to use the word they would have to be grateful for. I think I think that's the I think that's the having said that, that's the word that actually sticks in my throat a little bit in in that saying we're being grateful for. You know, we're we're talking about, you know, <sighs> having the crumbs off the table and saying thank you for them. Do you know what I mean? When, when actually the FA cup is, a is, you know, for a lot of us who follow it is, is about the smaller teams and then having their opportunity to, you know, play against the bigger sides and test themselves against them. Once it gets to the sort of fifth and sixth round stage, and it's like eight Premier League teams left in it. I'll be honest. I have no interest in the competition whatsoever beyond that point. Um, And, you know, it is difficult because I'm sure the clubs themselves, I mean, some of them have been selected for international broadcast. I think that's why their kickoff times have been moved. I, I suspect that happens after the terrestrial broadcasters in this country have had their pick. And then they say to the international broadcasters, you know, which ones do you fancy out of this? They've obviously seen enough in Yeovil and Bournemouth to to you know, put that on television. It's just a bit frustrating that international viewers are going to get to see that one, whereas domestic viewers aren't. Adam, uh, thanks very much for joining us and giving up your time once again and coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks, boys. Have a good Christmas. Well, as I mentioned, our Twitter page is at NL Full Time. It's Instagram NL Full Time as well. Dickie, thank you. You're very welcome. And uh, don't forget to join us all again very, very soon. <laughs>